If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 654. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to McClanahan Academy. You already heard about that. It's free of charge. You get that free class when you enroll, 10 Myths of American History. You can also purchase one or 20 of my classes there if you like them. And I know you will. If you like this podcast, you'll like the classes. And of course, that keeps the podcast free of charge. If you're watching the video on YouTube, click on the Super Thanks button under the video. You can throw a donation my way. You can also go to brianmcclanahan.com, click on the Support tab. You can throw a donation my way there and help keep the podcast free of charge. You can also click on the Shop tab while you're there, get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you like it. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. Share the material around on social media. That's how we grow the audience. And growing the audience is important for this reason. Back on episode 611... I talked about how this podcast was having an impact, and a listener sent me a, a, a victory, so to speak. It was a podcast I did on Bill Maher and how he started to realize that local government is the way. And there was a victory in that. Uh, a listener from Texas said that um, she was involved in the Texas GOP and uh, actually put a proposal on the platform which would have provided for a sort of electoral college for the state of Texas. And lo and behold, it seems like what she wanted, or at least part of it, has gotten onto the platform. And this is amazing, because now this is national news. There's a couple of things about the Texas platform I want to talk about. One is that. The other is the the uh, fits the progressives are throwing about the potential for a vote on secession in Texas, which is Absolutely hilarious to me. But anyways, that they're throwing such a fit about it. But anyway, so let's start with this first part. So the idea of this is to simply have a federal-type system in the states. And we often talk about the federal government and how it was designed for the federal system. So the idea is that the states are constituent parts, building blocks of the center. And because of that, the Senate is the most powerful part of the entire general government. People don't realize this, but it actually is. The Senate has a check on everything. The Senate has a check on the House of Representatives. The Senate has a check on the President. And the Senate has a check on the Supreme Court. The Senate is the the location of a trial if the President or Supreme Court or federal judge is impeached. The Senate gets to uh, confirm judges. The Senate has... So that checks the president. The Senate has power to check the president when it comes to treaties. The Senate has to concur on all bills coming out of the House of Representatives. And of course, the Senate is designed as the state check on the entire system. The Constitution would not have been ratified without the Senate. And so the Senate is the most important part of the general government. Now, the left knows this, and they hate it, because the Senate can block just about anything they want through the filibuster, right? I mean, the Senate is is the way that the states 
can override the entire system. Now, what's interesting about that in the founding period, when the Constitution was going through ratification, there was a lot of discussion about the Senate. And one of the things that a couple of, of uh, ratifiers noted was that if the, if the states wanted to destroy the system, they could simply withhold their senators. And if enough states did that, well, there's no quorum and they can't do any business. So now there's, there's nothing in the, in the Constitution that says states may withhold their senators. There's nothing there. But during ratification, this was openly discussed. And why? Because the senators were elected by the state legislatures. And of course, the state legislatures control elections, federal elections. Now, the Congress, or I should say the, the federal government, the Congress by default, has the ability to override state control of federal elections if elections aren't held. And that's that gets into a whole other monster right there, but not with the Senate. So see, the Senate was designed to ensure that the states could control what all the branches of the federal government are doing. Now, the other thing that, so the left wants to abolish the Senate. The other thing the left wants to abolish is the Electoral College. Why? Because the Electoral College then um, is a is a archaic thing that thwarts democracy. This is exactly what the Senate does too. These are these are checks on popular majorities, numerical popular majorities, right? Numerical majorities, most importantly. The Electoral College, the Senate, a check on numerical majorities because there's equal representation in the Senate among the states, and of course the Electoral College because there's one layer between a direct vote for the president and the Electoral College. Originally, electors could vote for whoever they wanted to. So there was a check there. So what's happened in Texas is really interesting. The idea is to have another layer when it comes to voting in Texas to create kind of like another, not a Senate, but a system where you have to get not just the popular vote, but also the majority of counties, essentially, in the system in order to get anything through, right? So the idea is to create a concurrent majority in the state of Texas. So it's not just mere numbers that are going to lead to victory. You have to have not just the majority, numerical majority of the people, but also the numerical majority of the counties. This is the whole point. So it puts the counties back in control of the state. And what it does is gives people in these rural counties the ability to check stupid legislation coming out of the cities. And we know that, I mean, you look at the left in left-run cities, they're a nightmare. Just go look at Portland right now. It's, a, it's an absolute mess. It's a third world place. So is Los Angeles. I mean, we've got cities in America that are no better than third world cities in other parts of the world. They're awful. And this is because of progressive policies. If anything would turn people away from the Democrats, it would be that. Now, the Republicans, as I've said before, aren't a whole lot better at the national level, but maybe at the local and state level, you can see some, some at least glimmers of shining little parts of hope there, right? a little glimmer of hope. But we have a situation, of course, where um, we've got people trying to think about how to rein in bad government, not just at the center, but also at the state level. And think about this. Texas is larger than the United States was in 1790. Yet in 1790, um, we had people openly talking about, you know, the size of a you know, representative ratio at 30,000 to 1 was okay if the central authority only did general things. Well, we needed a much better representative ratio for a government to do things that would be considered, you know, 
uh, everyday items like education and police and water and sewer and all that stuff. This is where your local government comes in. But the states, of course, have gotten as big as the central authority. So maybe it's time to start rethinking the powers of the center and the states. Do they have too much power over the local when local concerns have become so complex and diverse? Maybe the states can't, the central authority for every state can't handle that either. Now, in many states, you still have a representative ratio of about 30,000 to one. In some cases, it's a lot less. In New England, uh, I think it's in uh, New Hampshire, you're looking at about you know 3,000 to one or something like that for a representative ratio. So in some states, you have a very good representative ratio for local and state government. In some states like California, you don't. There, it's about 300,000 to one. So very bad state government in California, and it shows, right? I mean, you've got, you've got a mess of problems in California, and a lot of that has to do with bad representative ratios. So you've got a writer at the Washington Post named Paul Waldman. Um, he is uh, an opinion writer, and um, he also writes at the American Prospect. But he put out a, a Twitter thread uh, on the 20th, yes, yesterday as I'm recording this. And he said, the whole Texas GOP platform is insane. But the piece that jumped out to me was the endorsement of a state-level electoral college eliminating one person, one vote in favor of a system they could gerrymander so that the votes of white rural Republicans will count more. And he says this is not the first time this has come up. Not long ago, a Colorado GOP governor candidate offered such a plan. An analysis found it would give 2,000 voters in three rural counties twice as many electoral votes as 761,000 voters in three urban counties. Now, you see... The one area I can see where you know, maybe the left has a point here is that the states create the counties. The counties don't create the states. So the states are the ultimate, the people of the states are the ultimate sovereignty in America. And because of that, you know, the, you're, you're, you're breaking this down to counties, but maybe it's time to start thinking, rethinking the size of states. Maybe those are too big. I mean, California is certainly too big. Maybe Texas is too big. I mean, heck, even some, some states like you know Georgia might be too big, North Carolina, uh, these states, Montana might be too big. I mean, it depends on population and how this population is distributed and what you have. I mean, geography doesn't matter as much as how these things work out in terms of you know where people are. Uh, but uh, the fact is, uh, we do have counties, and those counties have governments. And just because you know, somebody lives in these counties doesn't mean they should be uh, punished because they don't live in a metro, uh, metropolitan area. You know, because they don't live in Austin, Texas, uh, and they live in the rural area of Texas doesn't mean they should be plundered by Austin, Texas, so that people in Austin, Texas get more out of it. I mean, this is the whole point, right? So these counties could have a little more say in what Austin gets and what Austin does. Same thing with Houston or any other city in Texas. But uh, in Dallas, you know, any, anything, any of the major cities. But I love it that people are actually starting to think about these things. And the left is going ballistic over this, right? They don't want to have anyone have a original, original thought in their mind about power and government. And this is insane. It's insane for people to start thinking, well, you know, maybe having our whole state run by one little city is a bad idea. Maybe Georgia being run by Atlanta is a very bad idea because... Georgia is in Atlanta. Maybe, maybe having California run by, uh, you know, Los Angeles uh, and San Francisco and Sacramento is not a good idea. Uh, maybe, you know, in my, maybe having Alabama run by Montgomery and Birmingham is not a very good idea. Maybe we need to think about some of the other areas and those, and we we actually use 
the counties as a way to check the power of the Senate. Now, there is a historical precedent for this. Going back into the 18th century in Virginia, uh, when the center in Richmond would issue uh, you know, a, a, a gubernatorial decree or the legislature would do something, if the counties didn't want to enforce it, they just didn't. I mean, nullification took place at the county level in Virginia in the colonial period. They did it all the time. In fact, the entire issue of the Stamp Act, this is nullification. So what's happening here is people are starting to say, you know, we want to be able to govern ourselves. Paul Weldman does not really believe in popular sovereignty, doesn't believe in the in government of the people, by the people, and for the people. What he believes in is a numerical majority of 50 plus 1%. 50% plus 1. When I've said that, people think I'm saying 50% plus 1%. No, 50% plus 1. 50 plus 1%, right? So what he believes in is that. And if you have 50% plus one person, well, that's a mandate. We know that's not the case. We know that you know this, this type of system is dangerous, right? It's very dangerous because you don't have a real majority. You have uh, a a uh, numerical majority, but that numerical majority does not take into account the people that are now nearly 50% or 50% total who are now being plundered by the other 50%. That's that's despotism. This is Calhoun talking about this. If you take in my class on John C. Calhoun, reading John C. Calhoun, I get into this in, in several of his discussions of government and what this actually does. So what this listener to the show did was put a plat, put a plank in the platform, or was trying to, and it's obviously some of it's or part of it in, in a way has come to fruition to try to ensure that the state of Texas is a more federal system. This is a good idea at every state level. It's a good idea. The progressives don't want it because the progressives want centralized power. They want to have numerical majorities because they think they have that. And of course, if it's just simply getting more people to pull a lever for you, and that gives you more power, well, I mean, this is what they're all for. So I found this fascinating that the Brian McClanahan show is having such an impact on uh, on the state of Texas right now. So if you're listening to this show, hey, you, this is this is something that should give you hope. You can go out. And you can change things at the state and local level. And, um, you know, in the thread here, as you go down, uh, there's one lady that says, uh, this is interesting. People should really, really pay attention to their local politicians, how they vote and what laws they put into play. For the 400th time, I'm glad I don't live in Texas, but I know the Texas GOP playbook is being passed around. So here's somebody that's not even living in Texas, worried about what's happening in Texas, which is just completely stupid. Uh, But... They should be worried about what's happening in their own state. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's and of course, Fidel Castro would be proud of today's Texas GOP. Uh, there's always been in America a distrust of direct democracy. And not just that, a distrust of numerical majorities. Because just because, it, just because you have an American majority doesn't mean you're going to put good policy into effect. And in fact, I think the argument can be shown, uh, argument proven, by the way, that numerical majorities don't always produce good government. In fact, they produce pretty bad government. Uh, Virginia, with its anti-democratic positions, was a much better government in the colonial period than South Carolina, which was more democratic. So oftentimes, less democratic governments with a, a Republican model, right? I mean, not 
not authoritarian or monarchical, but a less democratic government is actually better than a, de than a government that has more and more democracy. So I love this, right? I love how uh, people are actually thinking locally and acting locally, and they're making things happen. They're shaking it up, and, and, and the left can't stand it. And then, of course, the Texas GOP has also adopted a resolution uh, that uh, urging the legislature to put a referendum before the people of Texas in November 2023, quote, to determine whether or not the state of Texas should re reassert its status as an independent nation. Now, this is from uh, Fox 5 Atlanta. It's from the Texas Tribune, right? So the Texas Tribune is not very happy about this. The Texas Tribune doesn't think that the people of Texas have the ability to do any of this. In fact, they call it illegal. So I'm going to read this, uh, this little piece from the Texas Tribune. And I just read you know, part of the first paragraph. Uh, but this is this is absolutely hilarious to me, and it's hilarious to me because uh, there's the history in this is just so bad. So it says secession and independence have been perennial themes throughout the history of Texas, which broke away from Mexico in 1836 and went as an independent republic before it was annexed by the United States in 1845. As the United States was torn apart by divisions over whether slavery could expand in the nation's western territories, Texas in 1861 voted to secede from the Union. In the ensuing Civil War, up to 750,000 people, more than 2% of all Americans, died. Following the defeat of the Confederacy in 1865, Texas was formally readmitted to the Union in 1870 during the Reconstruction Era. Despite perennial talk of another secession, the law is clear that Texas may not leave the Union. <laughs> now, let me get back to this history for a second. One of the things I find fascinating about this idea that the state is readmitted to the Union, well, what was it? If you're saying it was readmitted to the Union in 1870, um, what was it when it wasn't in the Union? This is not Lincoln's argument. Lincoln's argument was these states were never out of the Union. Of course, when Lincoln is assassinated in 1865, you get the radical Republicans taking control of the Congress. And what they do is rather interesting. They believe in something called the state suicide theory, where because these states waged war against the United States, they are now territories, and the general government can do with them what they wish. Now, there's nothing in the Constitution that says this. There's nothing in the Constitution that allows Congress to do any of this, to, to say that a state is no longer a state. In fact, the only thing that can do that is the people of the state. And this is clear in, in how, we, how we organize the government from the beginning. The Congress has no say and when a state cannot be a state, or can be, I mean, they can say we have to have so many people, and then you can vote on statehood. But they can't say you can't be a state after you've already become a state, because then you become a sovereign political entity, a state, with equal, on equal footing of the existing states. So you're talking about, particularly with states like South Carolina, Georgia, Virginia, North Carolina, these were states in the original union. So... What was it when it wasn't a state? Well, to the Republicans, they would say, well, it's a territory. It's a military district. There's no power in the Constitution to do that. It's illegal. That's 100% illegal. But, of course, that doesn't matter when you have uh, unchecked power. You've got a supermajority in the Congress. You've got the Supreme Court in your back pocket. The president is irrelevant because you can just override his veto every time he tries it. And this is exactly what happens during Reconstruction. This is a numerical majority on steroids, right? 
So uh, the fact is, what was a state when it wasn't in the Union? Lincoln said it's in the Union the whole time. So it couldn't be readmitted to the Union. But what happened is, of course, the Congress said, well, we're kicking you out of the Union, and then you're going to have to reapply to be in the Union uh, because you're no longer a state. Now, as this piece points out, Texas was an independent republic, an independent nation from 1836 to 1845. And therefore, when it was annexed to the United States in 1845, it maintained its sovereignty. It was, it was a state. It would be like annexing, say, Ireland today. I mean, the United States could theoretically do it. They could annex Ireland. They could annex a state out of, uh, out of Canada, one out of Mexico. They could annex an island nation and say, you're now a state. That was an independent uh, situation, independent country, and now it's a state. Well, nothing's really changed. It's just allowing the central authority to handle commerce and defense. But it maintains its sovereignty, and Texas did that as well. So this piece says, despite perennial talk of another secession, the law is clear that Texas may not leave the Union. The law is not clear about that at all. There's no law about this. There's no law. There's nothing out there that says this. In fact, the Constitution is completely silent on it. It's a reserved power of the states. Article 1, Section 10 denies the states certain powers. Those are the powers that are, that are held in common by the general government. But not one of them is the power of leaving the Union. Not one. And of course, we know that New York and Virginia had resumption clauses in their ratification process. I mean, they, they thought that they could resume their independent status. They, they talked about it. The states were independent if the central authority was, was, became too powerful. So the, the piece continues. Again, this is the Texas Tribune staff. The idea is most often raised by conservatives in the state who are angry over some kind of policy coming from the federal government. And the calls seem to become more frequent when a Democrat is occupying the White House. Now, look, this is true, but you also see people calling for secession in California that are left-wingers, in Vermont that are left-wingers. Maybe in Texas you get more of a call for it because Texas is dominated by conservatives. So they're going to talk more about secession when you know Barack Obama or Joe Biden's in office rather than Donald Trump. I think you should be talking about it all the time because it doesn't matter who's in office. You're getting bad government from the center no matter what. State Representative Kyle Biederman, Republican Fredericksburg, filed a bill in 2021 to create a referendum election on whether Texas should create a joint legislative committee, quote, to develop a plan for achieving Texas independence. He said, it's time, now time for the, that the people of Texas are allowed the right to decide their own future, he said in a statement announcing the legislation. So then the Texas Tribune staff uh, says that Biederman is just completely stupid. Even if the legislature were to act on the new Republican Party proposal to put an independence referendum on the general election, it would not be legally valid. Well, thank you, a group of dummy newspaper lawyers, right? I mean, these people are so stupid they can't get out of their way. You go to journalism schools and you see what's in there, and these people are, are some of the most idiotic students in the entire university. Um, but regardless, um, this is what these people think, right? So it's no, not legally valid. Well, uh, who said? Well, I mean, they're going to say the Supreme Court. Well, that, that's not necessarily true. The Supreme Court didn't say that states couldn't secede. I'll talk about that in a minute. But this doesn't matter. Even Lincoln recognized a state could essentially secede through what he called revolution. Uh, but um, wouldn't it be better 
to have a situation where people could just say, you know, we don't really want to be part of your central government anymore. Let's legally, let's peacefully get out of this thing. It doesn't have to result in war. That was a choice that Lincoln made. Quote, the legality of seceding is problematic, Eric McDaniel, associate professor of government at the University of Texas at Austin, told the Texas Tribune in 2016. It's problematic. This is the, I've talked about this word before, it's problematic. This is uh, academic speak. It's problematic. It's problematic because I don't really know how to respond to this, is what he was saying. The Civil War played a very big role in establishing the power of the federal government and cementing that the federal government has the final say in in these issues. Well, a war didn't change anything. Wars don't do anything legally. Wars don't solve any issues except through bayonets and bullets. Even Lincoln talks about this. Well, I mean, we need to solve this issue through uh, the peace, not bayonets and bullets. Uh, Of course, Lincoln resorted to bayonets and bullets rather than let the South go peacefully. But hey. Many historians believe that when the Confederacy surrendered at Appomattox in 1865, the idea of secession was forever defeated, McDaniel said. The Union's victory set a precedent that states could not legally secede. No. Um, They established a precedent that if you you wanted to leave, well, then the general government can do whatever it wants to try to keep you in the Union, including kill you. But regardless, um, many historians... Again, who are these historians? I know, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of historians who do this, but who are these people really? I mean, are these, are these people like Kevin Cruz? Uh, are these historians like that? Um, historians who have an agenda? All historians have an agenda. Who are these historians? And then they have their coup de grace, right? The, the final blow, the best argument they can give. Even before Texas formally rejoined the nation. Again, where were they? Right. This is a question. So if I was asked them, all right, so what were they doing when they were, were they out of the union? Um, if they were out of the union, then they legally seceded. If they weren't out of the union, um, then what were they? Right. What were they doing? Uh, what, what was their status? And if you say, well, they were territories. Well, where's the power in the Constitution that gives the federal government to do, the power to do that? Where's the authority? It's not there. Right, So this is all just a bunch of legal stupidity on the part of all these righteous cause mythologists and people that push this. Uh, even before Texas formally rejoined the nation, the U.S. Supreme Court declared that secession had never been legal. And that even during the rebellion, Texas continued to be a state. Well, I agree. Of course it continued to be a state. Then where was it if it was out of the Union? If it, if it didn't rejoin the state, what was it doing? It was always a state. It was a state when it was the state. The Republic of Texas. It's a state like the state of Great Britain. It never ceased being a state. And the fact that the general government says it's not a state, that was completely illegal. Uh, You can't force a state that's not a state to ratify an amendment, which is what they did. You can't dictate what kind of constitution a state can have, which is what they did. You can't do any of that, right? So Texas, of course, continued to be a state. What they really mean there is it was a state in the Union. But then how is it out of the Union? I mean, where does this... So see, these people can't answer this stuff. In the 1869 case, Texas v. White, the court held that individual states could not unilaterally secede from the Union, and that the acts of the insurgent Texas legislature, even if ratified by a majority of Texans, were absolutely null. So basically what they're saying there is, even if the people of Texas 
through a majority, say that we want to leave the union. Well, you can't do that. That's completely null. That's null. Absolutely null. We don't really believe in democracy, in other words. We just believe in democracy when it supports what we want, right? But if it is going against us, well, we, then we don't believe in democracy anymore. So this is why the left is so hypocritical. Why the, why the, I mean, they're just completely stupid. When Texas entered the union, she entered into an indissoluble relation, Chief Justice Salmon P. Chase wrote for the court. Well, so what? Who cares what Salmon P. Chase said? It's not what they did. This is what Lincoln said, and Salmon P. Chase was just simply regurgitating what Lincoln said in his argument against secession in July of 1861. By the way, I'll say this now. The next class at McClanahan Academy, if you're listening to this on the 21st, within less than a week, I'm talking within less than five days, the new class hits. It's on Lincoln. It's reading Abraham Lincoln. You're going to get all this stuff. I'm going to go through all these things in that class, and you're really going to enjoy it. All the obligations of perpetual union and all the guarantees of Republican government in the union attached at once to the state. The act which consummated her remission to the union was something more than a compact. It was the incorporation of a new member into the political body, and it was final. The union between Texas and the other states was as complete, as perpetual, and as indissoluble as the union between the original states. There was no place for reconsideration or revocation except through revolution or through consent of the states. Now, notice what Chase said there, right? So revolution, Texas could leave. This is what Lincoln always said. Or through consent of the states. So the states could say you're not part of the union. This is where they he wiggles around this military reconstruction. Well, the states said you're not in the union. So then you're really not in the union. So then you can be readmitted to the union. You see, but that's a bogus legal argument. There's nothing in the Constitution that says any of this. This is Chase making it up as he goes to defend the actions of the Lincoln administration for the last four years. Uh, uh, I should say four years, 1861 and 65. And of course, the Republican uh, Re uh, Reconstruction Republican Congress for the four years before this. Right. This is exactly what he was trying to do. He's given legal cover to a bunch of illegal nonsense. The Constitution hadn't changed. It's just the Supreme Court said this. Now, I've talked on this podcast recently how the left is getting very upset with the Supreme Court. They don't believe the Supreme Court said this or this. The Supreme Court doesn't matter. Well, I agree. Supreme Court really doesn't matter. But they believe it matters here, but they don't believe it matters when it goes against them. Chase added, the ordinance of secession adopted by the convention and ratified by a majority of the citizens of Texas and all the acts of her legislature intended to give effect to that ordinance were absolutely null. They were utterly without operation in law. Well, this is not true. Of course they were, opera they were in operation. For four years they were in operation. But you see, Chase, what, Chase is, again, trying to provide cover for what the Republicans did for four years and slaughtering a whole bunch of people over nothing, over the Union, right? I mean, this is what they said it was. It's over the Union. Ending slavery was an incidental, incidental uh, effect of the war. A military operation to begin with, a military uh, exercise to try to ensure that other uh, states don't recognize the Confederacy like Great Britain or France. But um, it wasn't the reason why the Union went to war. They went to war to keep Texas in the Union or Alabama or Mississippi or South Carolina or Virginia. Take your pick. Another source of confusion and misinformation over the years has been language in the 1845 annexation resolution that Texas could, in the future, choose to divide itself into new states of convenient size, not exceeding four in number, 
in addition to the said state of Texas. But the language of the resolution says merely Texas could split into five new states. It says nothing of splitting apart from the United States. Only Congress has the power to admit new states to the Union, which last occurred in 1859 with the admission of Alaska and Hawaii. Okay, th that's true. Congress has the ability to admit new states. Texas could split into more states. You could have Texas divided out. Um, and then those states could be admitted to the Union or not. Let's see. What happens if Texas does divide into all these states? Is it, are these states out of the Union? I mean, people decide when they make a state, not the central government. This is Calhoun's point in the uh, speech on Michigan, the admittance of Michigan into the Union. The piece concludes, if there are any doubt remaining about after this matter, the late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia set it to rest when he asked, was asked by a screenwriter in 2006 whether there was a legal basis for secession. In his response, he wrote, the answer is clear, Scalia wrote. If there was any constitutional issue resolved by the Civil War, it's that there is no right to secede. Hence, in the Pledge of Allegiance, one nation indivisible. <laughs> this is why Antonin Scalia was so bad in so many ways. I've ripped him before. But the... The constitutional issue is never a constitutional issue is never resolved by a war. You can't solve a constitutional issue that way. That's stupid. And then the Pledge of Allegiance? This is written by a socialist minister, Francis Bellamy. I mean, this is just such a stupid argument. It's not even almost not even worth your time to go through it. But if you really want the scoop on secession, I've got a class on it in McClanahan Academy. Secession, an American tale. It's a great class. You should get it. It's one, of the, it's one of the more inexpensive classes at McLean Academy. It's not as expensive as the other classes, but I think you would enjoy it. I go through all these arguments in that. And of course, in this forthcoming class on Lincoln, I'm going to talk about these things again. So, I find it fascinating that you've got people that are thinking locally and acting locally, really working on these state platforms. And, um, I mean, this is, this is fantastic. You look at the, the people that wrote this article, um, Sewell Chan... Anir Patani and Matthew Watkins. Um, yeah, so the story was originally published in 2016 and updated in 2021 and 2022 because, of course, the issue keeps coming up. So, regardless, uh, we've got people working on the ground in Texas to try to make Texas great again, which is what needs to happen. We need to make states great again, not America. Uh, and if you make the states great again, if you if you had 50 Ron DeSantis's out there, you would have a real interesting United States, one that would just thumb its nose at the general government constantly. You can even have these people on the left. They could just tell the the, the conservative-controlled general government to stick it when they want to. I mean, this, this can happen everywhere. It's fantastic. I urge more of this. So, see you tomorrow on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.